Welcome to the Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And Brandon, where are you right now? I am in Minnesota, and I am in the basement of uh, my wife's parents' house. And I have just spent the day learning about pool maintenance because it's, you know, it's summer and we have to open up the pool. And I don't know anything about this. And you're the guy who got stuck with that, huh? Yes, but because people look, uh, people think I have this me- innate mechanical sense, and that's partially true, but not about this. I don't know anything <laughs> about pools. So uh, suddenly I'm at the uh, pool supply place in, in Minnesota, and just being very upfront with a the guy there and saying, I am in charge of opening the pool. It looks like a pond right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There was a dead squirrel. <laughs> In the in the pool yesterday, um, and so it was a pond more than a pool. And I'd just go to the guy, and I'm like, I, "I've never had a pool. I know nothing about pools. You have to explain this to me like I'm a child. What do I do?" <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm impressed with what we did so far. I've already uh, replaced all the sand in the sand filter, and. Uh, uh, learned how to operate the various pumps and make sure there was an air inside the pipes. And yes, it's, I like learning new things. And now I can add pool maintenance to my resume. All right. And you? Well, we know where you are. I'm in Toronto. I'm in my kitchen in Toronto um, after two very, very long weeks. Uh, I was in just about every scene for the past two weeks. And. Uh, so I'm just been sleeping as much as possible. Today, I, I really enjoyed opening up the sliding glass door to the patio and listening to the lawnmowers in the neighborhood. It's, uh, it's a really, uh, the, distant, the distant lawnmower and the smell of fresh cut grass in the summer, it's a, it's a really nice, nice, relaxing sound. The sound of yeah. suburban domesticity. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we're bringing you this episode today, which we're, we weren't originally uh, aware we were going to do this, but uh, in searching around for friends and families' stories for our last episode about the recent spate of anti-AAPI violence and hate, uh, we ended up having a really uh, beyond interesting conversation with my old buddy Ty Ma from Hell on Wheels. And Ty is one of those actors who, he's sort of the He's sort of the Forrest Gump of filmmaking. Like he's worked with everybody, and he has been in. I mean, you'll hear it, and <laughs> you'll hear it in the episode. It's like there, there are things that pop up in conversation that Ty just happens to be in <laughs> because his resume is out of control. Uh, I was a fan of his uh, for a long time without even really knowing who he was. Um, you'll hear that in the interview also, but. Uh, Brandon and I have been seeing Ty for years, and, and, and then it's just been a, an extreme pleasure to get to know him personally and find out he's just as cool of a dude as he is a, a, an actor. Yes, and I want to point out that uh, both Anson and I have uh, separate embarrassments uh, during this interview. What was, the, what was the movie, the show that we were talking about, and you were talking to him about it, and then suddenly it dawned on you, oh, you were in that. The, the, <laughs> what fare, was the, the farewell. 
Oh, the farewell. Yes, we were talking about the farewell. Then suddenly it dawns on Anson. Oh, wait a minute. You were in that because he was. I was noticing. I was noticing Ty was kind of nodding vigorously and like, uh huh, yeah, I, I, I know about that movie. I do know about that movie. And then uh, I have to head this off. There's a moment of awkwardness where I don't know what I was trying to ask Ty in this conversation that you're about to hear, but I was, I was very tired. And I was trying to work my way around to a converse, to a question about typecasting, but I never got there. And instead, I said something vaguely insulting. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just, you, you, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. <laughs> but Ty's, a, thankfully, Ty, Ty's a tough guy to insult because uh, he's, he's just such an amazing sense of, uh, sense of humor and uh, self-deprecation and and just a mm. love of life, and and he's in the acting game for largely, you know, the right reasons uh, that that a lot of us are in it for, which is just examining what this whole thing is about that we've been given this gift called life, and what we're doing with our time here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love Ty very much, and I and I hope that uh, you j- enjoy this opportunity to get to know him a little bit better as well. So Ty, yes, you're, sir. You're, yeah, I'm captain. Long time no see, man. Long man, time no you. see. It was another. It was. It was what? It's been four centuries in fictitious time. Uh, it's <laughs> been almost that in real time. Uh-huh. The last time we were bucking broncos and tying lassos and all that good stuff, <laughs> laying track, you know. Uh, and now we're in our separate universes. I'm flying a starship. And what are you doing in Vancouver? Yes, I am uh, fictitiously located in the Bay Area, in <laughs> the San Francisco Chinatown proper. And, uh, and uh, you know, martial art in the way. <laughs> well, actually, I don't do any of that, thank oh God. God. You just hit every Hollywood trope about <laughs> Asian culture. You know, everything that is, that's set in San Francisco is now shot in Vancouver. I know. That's, what, yes. is, what is it you're shooting? Well, it's a series called Kung Fu. And okay. it's a, they call it the reboot of an old series called Kung Fu. I call it the reclaiming of mm. the old series Kung Fu. Oh my goodness! Now is this a is this a, a reboot of the kung fu that I grew up on? I think so. Is it uh, really with the with the was it was that David Carradine? That's that David Carradine. Pre- pre- <laughs> pretending Keith's uh, brother. <laughs> we're already on topic here. Uh, pretending to be Asian. Um, That's right. <laughs> in, in place of or in a, in a role that that w- was meant for Bruce Lee and who was uh-huh. sidelined for a white guy. Um, That's right. That, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. All right. We're, we're finding mm-hmm. finally correcting Hollywood history here. Yes. A little bit. Yes. We're, we're making amends, man. <laughs> but, still shoot, <laughs> but still shooting in Vancouver. <laughs> yes. It's still, that's right. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If we can afford to shoot San Francisco at the moment for, yeah. for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you and I, we 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 spoke recently um, about all the uh, all the anti-Asian hate going on and, and you downloaded uh, a, 
I, I felt like I opened a door and just a flood of stuff came out. So we felt it was probably good, uh, a good idea for us to, to record a little bit. <sighs> just like you did, okay? That's how it feels. It's like, <sighs> and these flooding our psyches of these images, it's more than disturbing. I just can't wrap my mind around it because these are mostly our most vulnerable, the elderly and women, mostly. Uh, I, I don't understand the rhyme or reason for it. What, what is it? I mean, I don't know. You, is this, where is this animosity and anger and hatred come from? Yeah, I think that a uh, big part of it is that, um, you know, bullies tend to, to focus on the weakest of the pack. And there is a, there's a, for better or worse, is out there in the zeitgeist, there is a, um, there's the message, the message is clear, uh, uh, that this is happening. And I think that there are a lot of bullies out there that are jumping on the bandwagon, that there are people that are out there looking to hurt. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video of this guy in New York that attacks this 58 year old woman, kicked her in the stomach and then kicked her in the head three times. He was out, he was, uh, he had just gotten out of prison for killing his own mother. And, um, I look at that and I go, that's okay. That's, that's a guy that was, that's a ticking time bomb. That's, that's a guy that's looking for something. Well, I think you can't ignore the, the politicization of, of the pandemic. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, there was always a lot of, um, I mean, I mean, Asians have always had to struggle with this minor, model minority crap, where they're, you know, that it pits minorities in this country against each other, and uh, I mean that's been that's been around for a long time. So I think that was like a there was a reservoir of resentment and tension that was built up, and then you have, sorry, leadership matters, you know, the words of leaders matter. And you have, you know, the, when, and then everyone is suffering. Everyone is anxious and stressed about what's happening with the uh, coronavirus. And you have a leader come out and just openly, you, and using playground slurs and racial slurs and taunts and pin it on uh, a country, pin it on an ethnicity. I, I remember as soon as that started, uh, you know, people, not just the Asian community, you would think anyone with any empathy or conscience uh, saying this is going to lead to violence. This, that's inevitable. And here we are, you know, it doesn't happen immediately, but here we are. And it's finally, um, you know, it, 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 it's finally harvesting all of this, you know, emboldening of people who felt like their their leadership was telling them that it was okay to blame a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. Well, Brandon, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I, it's not like I don't really know, but really coming from you is much more powerful because I don't want people to say, oh, well, you know, he's Asian, he feels that way. 
this is not something that is like skewer in any way. And, and it, it is a long time coming. And, and words do matter. And, you know, you have somebody out there pulling gasoline on a fire. That definitely really raises the stakes, right? Yes, we are not strangers of these kind of hatred and attacks through the history, our history. And it goes all the way back. And Anson, you know very well what that's about because we happened to did a show about it. Right. All the way back to the railroads. Right. And, and we struggle with that throughout our history here. And what I want to do is okay. I have no immediate fixes for these things because I cannot physically go out and walk them to their homes. I think we are part of the long-term solution that we are communicating, we're speaking out, and we have a lot of allies. And unfortunately, it just takes time. You, and I think the basic common denominator is that we, all of us, collectively need to recognize systemic racism exists in America. And we really have just, it's a, has to be a group effort because we're here now and we're being attacked now. I'm telling you, next group's coming, whoever they be. And, and you don't want that to happen, that we all have to face this issue and start talking to each other and say, you know, this is just unacceptable. It's unacceptable, and it has to stop. And that's the bigger picture. And, and, and I hope the only way that I know how really is to do shows like the show I'm doing to give the audience a three-dimensional Asian-American family. And hopefully that will bridge some gaps so that they can see us, you know, in a real setting. And, and hopefully this will set us in somehow subconsciously, consciously, and give us some kind of spiritual awakening, <laughs> you know, of yeah. who we are as a human being, you know? So, well, I have to, uh, that makes me realize, I, I, I uh, man, it's just so simple. It's so easy to be so stupid. I'm, I'm, I have to, I have to, <laughs> I already have to, I already have to apologize to you, Ty, for, for the, the, the sort of somewhat flippant, uh, statement I made at the beginning when you, when I heard the description of your show, um, I, it was targeted at Hollywood, but saying that it hit every Hollywood Asian trope. And then mm. and to hear you with such hope in your voice about what you can do with a platform like that. Mm. Um, it, that was, it just, it makes me realize that was immediately dismissive. And, and especially as the guy who, who got to work with you and saw you shine on our show and helped us on hell on wheels, make sure that we were doing it the right way. I mean, I remember like yesterday that, uh, moment we were standing in that mock-up of of the um, Chinese rail workers graveyard and uh. you, were, you were teaching me what each of the tombstones <laughs> said and I was like oh my god we got it <laughs> we got it right you were like well I helped to make sure we got it right <laughs> they're all they're all from the right area of China mm -hmm. right yes. and you were explaining to me how the funeral rites and and all of that work and and, and I found it um, it wasn't just a, a show at that point it was an educational experience and it was a 
it was a, a bridge to uh, to cover what is sometimes too enormous of a gap, and a gap that's ignored too much in our in our culture. Mm-hmm. And and it is about allyship. You know, you guys don't know, your listeners don't know. Anson was also one of the producers of the show. He was the first to call me to welcome me to the show. So you know what? Everything comes from the top, man. So for you to do that scene with me and actually have to say to me that you want to know, that scene became spiritual. Mm-hmm. It was because of that deeper understanding of it. And these are the obligations that we do as artists, you know, to get to that deeper level. Right. And we continue to strive for that. Sometimes we miss, but we keep trying. <laughs> and I think that's what's important. That, that we, look, not everything we do is a grand slam. Come on. Cut me some slack. <laughs> Cut us some slack. You know, we keep on trying. And you're not going to back me down on that. So we keep on trying to raise the bar trying to keep on include people who have the same kind of minds that we do. And we move forward as a group. No man's an island, right? <laughs> so here we are. You know, the, the other um, thing that struck me, and I, and, um, I, I have to, to rush to point out that, that, that I don't mean this as a as a qualifier, but it's it's worth stating that I'm my wife is Asian, uh, so I have family now that is Asian, and um, having access to a point of view that has made me realize nothing has changed for me. I don't have to walk out the door and scan the street. Uh-huh. I don't have to think about everybody who's walking down the sidewalk towards me. Um, I don't have to think about the distance from my car to the door or where is the most available source of light. Um, I think it's worth hearing for our listeners who are non-Asian to, to hear how, um, even though you have not been directly or personally assaulted yet, hopefully you will not, um, but how just the, the, again, the zeitgeist of this kind of stuff going on can change you, can affect you. Unfortunately, it has. I mean, it wasn't physically violent, and then I did uh, have an encounter. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> to I, most, I, I know. I, hey, you know what? It happened. I, and I, I, I try to take that experience and let people know that it happened to me. And I'm not going to say, you know, hide, hide behind anything. Uh, I was home. I was, I was right in the beginning of the, the pandemic. And... Um, uh, I was in Pasadena, I was going to Whole Foods, I was trying to pick up some food, and this car rolled up really slow, and I was going, oh, how nice, how courteous a young man he is, slow down so I can walk. Mm. No, he stopped in front of me, rolled down his window, and said, look me straight in the eye, you should be quarantined, and took off. I said, huh? It just... You just kind of freeze in the moment, and yeah. your body just go cold. 
Because you, you, you don't know why that is. <laughs> you just, I looked quickly up the ramp, and I, I ran up there and tried to, well, maybe it wasn't so wise, but, <laughs> but he was gone. I mean, he was gone. I, right, I really yeah. wanted to, to confront him in some way. But now, you know, given all of these other images that, that's been hitting, you know, uh, everywhere, I, when I go for my walk, I want to make sure the sun's behind me and my shadow in front. I want to make sure that anybody come behind me, and I'm working, Anson, this is crazy, I'm working on moves. Okay, I mean, I can't even walk without working out my moves. Okay, if you're coming left, you're coming right, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna, you know, I'm telling you. I, what, really, do I want to take my walk that way? So, yes, it's an impact at me. And I tell you, eventually, I, that's why the, the, in some ways the show is important because you, you show, I'll show, show people fighting back. But at least we can plant the seed and say, you know what? Like that grandma in San Francisco. She just said, uh-uh, you're not going to hit me. And they, you know, they punched her in the face. She picked up a, a thing and just whacked the guy. <laughs> so, you know, if anything else, if anything that we can help the scenario where, you know, you, you, you might want to think twice. I don't know, have what martial arts schools work out on the street. They just don't work out in the dojo, don't work out on the gun. Go do your, do your walk outside, carry your banners and bring out the lines, make every day the Lunar New Year. If we have a, we need a presence or something, I don't know. I'm just throwing, I'm throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks <laughs> right now. I'm not kidding. Anything. I really want to protect our most vulnerable. And all this thing in Atlanta, six women gunned down. You know, and the thing is, you know, you said earlier, people have to first recognize that there is systemic racism in the country, and they just, they, you know, I don't know what percentage this is, just won't. Because you mentioned the eight people killed, and they'll say two of them were an Asian, as if that makes any difference. If you look at the, <laughs> if, if you look at that guy traveled across county lines and where he went and the population, Asian population in uh, Atlanta being under 4%. And look who we went after. Of course, it's, it's so frustrating to watch how so many people in this country will bend over backwards to call it anything other than what it is. And I, I kind of also wanted to go back to something else that you said, you know, when that guy pulled up in front of you and said, you know what he said, you should be in quarantine. I know there's a lot of people listening right now uh, uh, who would hear or hear something like that and say, oh, well, those are just words. Everyone hears, has mean things said to them. Just, you know, grow a pair, you know, be tough. <laughs> those people don't have a history of those words becoming actual violence towards them you know if if someone you know tried a racial slur against me or anson for example it means nothing because it's never been backed up it's never been followed by violence yeah i can laugh it off because there's never been a history of that ever but if you are a person of color in this country and someone you know points out the fact that you're different 
there's a long history there of that being followed by actual violence. And as you said, it's gotten into your heads to the point that you're practicing fighting while trying to go for a walk. It's, it's, if that's, it just shows to what degree that just that constant baseline of stress that people have needlessly have to endure in this country. But I love the idea of putting a stronger image out there of fi- of, of <laughs> fighting. <laughs> I told Warners about what's going on. I sent them almost 2,000 organizations of AAPI community organizations, and um, they made a donation, $7 million. Wow. To those, to those guys, you know, to the, the organization that they picked. And they, and they actually did a PSA with the cast. That's amazing. Warner Media that did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. Good, good for them. Good for them. So I keep on trying to do that now because I'm tired of talking about the other thing now. Right. It just right. wears on you, Anson. Come on. It's just like... I said, oh, jeez, man, I, got, I can't do anymore. So, well, any, any, anyone who's been traumatized doesn't want to keep talking about it and re-triggering it. So, of course, of course. But it's hard. It's hard to... Well, how do, what does that look like to you, you know, ally, allyship? I mean, I mean, and for, I mean, I'm actually pretty ignorant. You know, what, what sort of... You know, how does that $7 million uh, get spent? I mean, what, what, what sort of programs, what is it... We, uh, there's a uh, organization in uh, San Francisco run by uh, Professor Russell Jung, who is collecting all the hate crime data. So they need money, they need funding to do that. And uh, we all, all, all students from uh, San Francisco U, they're doing the collection of that. Uh, they donated money to uh, the Asian American Legal Defense Fund. The Asian American Legal Educational Defense Fund in New York City. Okay. So because I send them a lot of names. <laughs> um, the PSA impressed me. They actually, let's say, oh, well, let's do a PSA. And we did. And who is this? Iwanis. Warner Brothers. Warner, Warner oh, okay. Media. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we did it, and they, and they sent it out. So because of that action, uh, McDonald's made a donation to Air PSA about anti-Asian hate crime uh, in, on primetime. So, you know, these things, that's what happens. That's what I mean. And talking, like you guys. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Having, right. you know, communicating and talking. Get the message out. Right. And, and think and, and sing and, and again you, know, you hear it all the time and it becomes sort of an anthem sometime that people don't whenever when anything becomes an anthem people stop thinking about the meaning of it or a slogan you know but representation uh, matters it's just, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a matter of exposure it's a matter of seeing a variety as you said you know what you know the the, the real just an Asian family I, you worked with um, on a homecoming with Aquafina and. Uh, and uh, her show's great, and it's just I know, and it's so and it, but it, it's great, and it's also a little sad that you get to watch a show and go, oh look, 
She's just an American. She's just a person, you know, without some kind of, I don't know, kind of uh, signifier that's, you know, that makes her, you know, that, that leans on, you know, being Asian, you know, of, of any kind. Uh, yeah, we need. She wants to need... be more Asian. It says that she can, because she's an American. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the do? that's that's the great thing about that show is I watching know. is watching her own disconnect from it. You know, exactly. like God, you know. I I I don't know about this show. Uh, Nora from Queens, Central, right? Yeah, yeah, Nora from Queens. I Nora, know Nora from Queens. Okay. I was I was going to we do a thing every now and then Ty where we uh, Anson and I talk about what uh, what we were watching and listening I keep we have always a lot to share and I keep forgetting to mention Nora from Queens because I watch anything that Aquafina does she's just so <laughs> charismatic I can't <laughs> I can't stop watching her well she's talented yeah I mean you know she's a trained actor she just I has... love the farewell did you see the farewell oh yes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh yes. Uh, I because I, I, because I'd followed that um, that story when it was a mm-hmm. uh, podcast episode uh-huh. right, right. on this right, American yes. life and and I and it was just I, I it really it um, that's one of the best directorial debuts I've seen in a while yeah and it was a kind of an international crew it was crazy was it really? yeah our yeah. our DP was from Spain <laughs> a woman oh Jesus Ty you were in huh. that. You're in, you're in. Yes. You were. Yeah. <laughs> Forget you're in everything. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was uh, Aquafina's daddy. Yeah, dad. Yeah. Right, right. I I tell you, it's just so. Really, it's a lot of fun when you you sit there and shoot a film and the accents everywhere. Oh my God, it's funny as heck. <laughs> Anna in a Spanish accent, you know, say uh, Aquafina like in that Queens accent, Queens, New York accent. It's like, man, I tell you, the Chinese crew were going crazy. I said, is this English? It's like they couldn't figure it out because it was so, this cacophony of different accents. Sort of, sort of jump subject just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, I'm totally cheating here. I'm looking at your IMDb. Uh, long, as Anson was alluding to, you've been in everything. Um, so many credits. I'm not, I'm not sure how to word this question because I'm not really sure what the question is. Um, <laughs> but it, it seems like, I mean, it, it, this, and Anson knows, I mean, any actor knows that the luck plays a huge uh, part in, in, in all this. Yes. But I don't know, is there any accounting for, I don't know what the question is, you know, is there any accounting for luck? But on the other hand, I'm, I'm thinking like, for example, like Wes Studi was like uh, the go-to uh, Native American uh-huh. actor. Do you ever have yeah. this sort of, like once you're, like people know your face, people trust you. And while, and then when casting agents, like, well, we need, you know, uh, an uh, Asian male actor of a certain age, Ty, do you think it's a, uh, that, in other words, is it a kind of a familiarity thing? I'm not trying to knock, I'm not trying to say anything about your ability or talent. <laughs> Sounds terrible. That's not my point. It's, 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 it's a, but you know what I mean? It's a political thing. Like any actor gets can get pigeonholed, can get sort of like, oh, he's the guy that you go to when you need the thing. Oh, Brandon, stop while you're ahead. Oh, yeah, he's digging deeper now. 
<laughs> you digging deeper now. You know, you know what? I will edit this episode, actually. <laughs> you yeah, funny. So, again, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if you just want to say that I'm full of shit and we'll just, like, no, pretend I, this didn't we, happen. <laughs> Actually, that that question is more for Anson. He was he was a producer, so he was on the other <laughs> side of the table. He should be able to answer that question better than I. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm, know what these guys I'm think about. I'm embarrassed to say, Ty, I was not that familiar with with your work prior <laughs> to that because I think I believe John Worth was responsible for that. And and the, if you remember the first time I called you to welcome you to the cast. I asked you how to pronounce your name, <laughs> and you were so patient with me. And then when I met you, I was like, "Oh, that guy." <laughs> That's my safety vow, you know, because it's not what it sounds like it the way it spells. So you have to ask. You you have no choice. Cause if you take a stab at it, you're gonna be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kept that purposefully because it was mispronounced when I was in um, elementary school. Mm. So it's not the way it's supposed but I kept that pronunciation because... Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. And, and I, now, I'm, I'm not going to tell you the real pronunciation because the purpose of it is that it's my slave name. I need to remember that. Oh. This was put on me. Oh, wow. And I'm going to keep it in mind that this is part of my legacy and my experience. And luck do have some, some you know, play, obviously. You, you, I mean, I do not under, undercut luck. I am very lucky. But I'm also very folk vocal. I will say, I will tell you. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I always get to work with people who want to work with me. I... I I mean, if I don't, you know, nobody twists my arm to do it. So I could say no. I don't have to say yes. Who are some of your favorite uh, directors that you've worked with? Oh, Nikki Carroll is amazing. I, she directed me in Mulan. And she's just so amazing in a way where she knows that she captures something. And she moves on. Hmm. Philip Noyce is a monster. He, this, this man could direct. He directed me in The Quiet American. And we shot in Vietnam. No, the, none of the crew knew what he was talking about because they were all Vietnamese. <laughs> so he was able to communicate. And he was able to communicate with the cast. And he, he prepares the cast so well. He just... You know, all the research are done. He hands you a book and say, these are some of the things that you might want to be aware of, the character you're playing. And he actually, well, Quiet American was a pretty special project because he actually found those people from that book who was actually alive in Vietnam. Oh, wow. And he set up meetings and introduced me to the character I was playing. And, and Grant Green, when he wrote that book, uh, he had to write it as a novel because he was a spy. Oh, really? Brain. He was, he was MI, yeah, MI5 or whatever they call these guys. <laughs> he was for, working for the London Times. And so he wrote that book as a fiction, but 
It wasn't fiction. All those guys existed. You know, really special. And the Coen brothers. I love the, the Coen brothers. Oh, my Working goodness. Working with them is kind of a gem, too. That's yeah. right. You were, uh, you did, um, Lady, Kill Lady Killers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was, you were hilarious. <laughs> oh, my that God. That was fun. We had a good time. We yeah. had a good time doing that. Yeah, the Coens are pretty cool. You know, these guys. I, I would expect yeah, no They're less. so inclusive. They just, they, they you know, you, you were in every meeting with every department. Uh, what, what, what kind of material you want to wear? What would he wear? You know, stuff like that, you know. Uh, any, uh, you want a mustache? What kind of mustache? You know, it's like, it's, you know, hair, makeup, everybody, everybody's in the room. So that's how the Coens work. <laughs> I, I love that. That was kind of fun. You know, you would think you would think that the, that that would not be so out of the ordinary. Uh huh. Oh, I've never done it any other film except for with these guys. No, and also the other thing you need about the Coens is that they uh, you get your sides in the morning, shotless in the back. Oh wow, yeah. that's you know wow. every shot. <laughs> that's I would love that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Huh? Answer, you're not I know crazy? a lot of you know a lot of actors who wouldn't care, but I, I, for me, I, a lot of actors like you and I would I would very much appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, I, that thought that was how it, I thought that was how it was always done. <laughs> I, <would> just, <laughs> I would after some of some of the directors I've worked with, I would appreciate just knowing that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> Copy that. You know I'm telling I mean? you. I just. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to like throw in something here because if I look a little frazzled right now, it's because I rapped this morning on something that I uh, something I wrote and directed, and it was five days of of craziness. And I was very proud of myself because I I see this just I do it. I did to keep myself straight, but I assumed I didn't think the actors would even look at it. But for every scene, I a separate like a separate little mini script with a shot list, a storyboard, and a diagram because I'm insane. Of like the room, and like and like this is the blocking here here move to here here camera's gonna be there. <laughs> I mean, I did it so that because I knew I had to move so fast that I was going to, I was gonna start dropping balls left and right if I didn't. But uh, and I don't know if they really looked at them that much. <laughs> they, Are you was, related to the Cohen brothers? <laughs> no, no, but I appreciate their I appreciate their approach very much. I I I. I I see it different ways. I mean, the, the way that they do it, preparing, uh, preparation, preparation, uh, and which I think one of the reasons they have continued to have the freedom to do what they do is because they don't waste a gesture. They know what they're doing when they get there. They're not mess. They're not screwing around. So I've got one voice, you know, as a filmmaker, I've got the Coens in one ear, and then I have Werner Herzog in the other, saying, you know, shot list are for cowards, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know who. I don't want to. I don't want to be called a coward by Werner Herzog. So. <laughs> You're right. When you watch when you watch a, a a Coen Brothers movie, there is there's almost nothing in the frame that isn't hasn't been considered. Like if you look at Brandon, I think you said you called Raising Arizona a perfectly faceted gem. It really is. That that there is just there. It's uh, it's. I've watched, like that, I've watched that movie a hundred times, and I can't think of. And after a while, you're not watching it for the story anymore. You're just studying it, and I can't figure out what you could possibly add or subtract to it. Uh, I like it's. I can't shave a single frame off of this thing. It's done. It's just 
it's perfect. It's perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he, he, you have. I mean, he shares it with everybody too. It's not like he's hiding. So the cones will give you all the storyboarding, and the, every morning you get it. You get zero storyboards of every shot. That's it, wonderful. It, it's interesting to hear me to hear because I wasn't sure at least how many actors were interested in the in the in the shots. Oh, are me. some you <laughs> are interested. okay. Oh yes. No. Anson, yeah. you're interested? Yeah. Okay. All right. Absolutely, yeah. I'm it conducting a survey. Two out of two actors prefer to see Because otherwise, I, personally, and some actors don't, but personally, I, I, I feel like I, I don't know what my parameters are unless I see the edit in your head. And then if I have that, I can then not only, I, I not only know what, what parameters within I'm working, but I, I, I'm confident enough to give you options in the editing room. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, man, it's, I love it because you, first of all, uh, your days are never long, never long. We never work more than, you know, that, that, I mean, everybody wrapped, I mean, every day we wrapped at six. Everybody gets to go and have dinner with their families, man. It, it, it's a happy crew. <laughs> that's, that's a tight ship. I'm telling you, it, and you always have more time because you, you, you know exactly what you want, what you're going to do. So you actually have more time. You, you get the improv at the end of the scene. <laughs> yes. You know? I don't, I don't think with that amount of time and money going by that fast, it's not a good time to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what works. I have a, a question that I've, that I've, it's grown to be one of my, my favorite questions for people that work in the entertainment industry. And that is that if you, if I were to scroll down all the way down to the bottom of your IMDB page, what is that, what's that little credit that uh, is sort of the beginning for you? What, what is, what, um, what would I see there? And what's the story behind it? Oh, oh, it would be a cocaine cowboy. Cocaine Cowboy. Cocaine, yes. All right, let's hear about this. Cocaine Cowboy was a jet set film. It, it was directed by Uli Lamo, who was one of your, I think one of Fassbender's accolades. But it was at the height of the Studio 54 days. And we shot the whole film out in uh, Church Estate, which is uh, Andy Warhol's home. So Andy Warhol's in the film. Uh, Jack Palance is in the film. <laughs> it's a weird little film. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, we all lived there uh, uh, for the shoot, my first movie. And Jack Palance used to drive up from Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania uh, in some pickup truck. It's like so, and he does poetry readings every weekend. What, Jack Palance? Jack Palance. I mean, <laughs> oh, wow. Not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every weekend he'll do, he'll do poetry readings. Of his poetry and, uh, or other people's poetry? I think both. I, I, I mean, I don't remember exactly because we're drunk most of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and here's an interesting tidbit. Um, one night we were woken up at 3 in the morning. We were surrounded by Nassau uh, Police Department. They had to all get out of, out of little bungalows, bungalows and, and they confiscated uh, all the production cash and three duffel bags of powdered sugar. 
<laughs> so they thought we were so dealing in drugs or so. I mean, it was kind of interesting to see those guys surround the compound, and everybody <laughs> saw saw promotions. I'm telling you, the regular cop is thinking sergeant, sergeants thinking captain, captains thinking chief of police. I'm telling you, <laughs> you can see it because that energy is ah,、oh, you guys, here's the wall. Okay, <laughs> it's like, and the producer was German. He's trying to talk to them that this is powder sugar, and he couldn't get his point across. And we're kind of going, man, it's three in the morning. We're half asleep. We don't know what's going on. Yeah, that was on over the weekend, and they grab all that stuff and took it and say, "Don't you guys know you cannot leave?" And you know, gave us the riot act and stuff. Had to come back on Monday with tail tucked between their legs. With the cash and the powdered sugar, <laughs> so that was my humble beginnings. Did you did you get to hang out with Andy Warhol? Yeah, damn it, I'm such an idiot. I should have had him sign some soup cans, man. <laughs> <laughs> Produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and me, Anson Mount. Theme music by Brandon, based on a composition by Jonathan Myberg. Additional music provided by Board with Four under an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 international license. Special thanks go out to Time Off for taking the time to sit down with us. If you'd like to find out more about the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, you can visit their website at www.aaldef.org. Thanks for listening. And have a great week, everyone.